Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Know me. My name is Josh, alongside my beautiful wife Joanna, right here. We're rocking the all denim fit. We have the privilege of pastoring Lighthouse Church, North County, and it is, by our very biased opinion, very, very biased opinion, the best church on the planet. Come on, somebody. Very biased, but we love this place, and uh, it's so good to call Lighthouse Church home. And uh, we've been blessed with some good weather again today. And uh, that's just the, the, the benefit of living here in San Diego. But y'all look good today. It's really good to see so many of you. It's good to see some of you back. I have the advantage of looking at you. You can't see what I'm seeing, but some of you have been gone a little while, and I see you're here today. But you know what? Most importantly, God sees that you're here today. And um, I'm ready to continue on, continue on in this series that we've been in called Relation Slips relation slips and it is obviously talking about relationships and how many other relationships can be challenging it's gonna be challenging and so we've been unpacking every single week this month the different types of relationships we started with family relationships and then last week we went into romantic relationships y'all had me wilding up here that's your fault Y'all act crazy in the crowd, I'm act crazy in the pulpit, but uh, okay. Um, but we were talking about romantic relationships, and today I'm excited to dig into a new topic as we talk about situational relationships. Look at your neighbor and tell them situational relationships. So that's what we're going to dive into right now. If you're like thinking, huh, what is that? I'm going to unpack it for you. So go with me to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. I'm going to read one verse to you, and then we're going to dive in talking all things situational relationships. Proverbs 12, verse 26. I'm reading from the NIV. We're going to get that up on the side screens. And it says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I'm going to read that one more time because it's so short. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So for the next few moments, we're going to talk to you on this simple thought that I am calling, who is in the room? Who is in the room. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time that we've had together. We thank you, God, for your presence that has met us here. We have felt your presence. We felt your spirit. You've been moving, uh, Father, from the moment that we arrived. And now, God, I pray that as we have the opportunity to sit and listen and lean into your word that you would speak to us. We open up our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us. I pray, God, that our spirits would be receptive to your word today. We block out the noise, the distraction, the priorities that they'll be there when we're done. So we just kind of put them to the side right now and we listen to what your spirit is going to say to us today. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time as you are seated. Let's talk about who is in the room. As I said just a minute ago, we're talking all things situational relationships, situational relationships. And um, a situational relationship is an acquaintance that, that you're, you're kind of put into this relationship with them. It's, it's a person that you know that may or may not end up in the friend zone. And I don't mean friend zone like in the romantic way. 
What I mean that is like, like you, you, you meet someone and you don't know, they, they may kind of stay out there as a situational relationship that you have, or they may actually go into the place of where you would now call them a friend. They're going to enter that zone of friendship. And so that's why we're titling this message, Who is in the Room? Because you've got to make sure you use some wisdom. You got to make sure that you you proceed into friendships very cautiously and really doing it the way that God would want you to do. So what is a situational relationship? This might be another mom at your child's school. It's someone that you're seeing and it, that's some, there's another mom there. That's a situational relationship. It might be another dad on your son's football team. Okay, might be the mom on your daughter's soccer team. It might be another dad on your daughter's softball team. It can be your coworker. It could be your boss. It can be your employee. Whatever it is, it's a relationship that has been brought into your life because of work, school, sports, your kids, or some other sort of relationship. You guys tracking with me so far on what is a situational relationship? Okay, it's important for me, for you to get that. So we all have situational relationships, and before we move them into our circle of friends, we have to figure out, you know, what? how do we proceed? How do we navigate that relationship? How do I navigate my friendship with that person before I really move them into a place of friendship? And, and, and I want to talk about this because this is going to put some of you guys feeling all sorts of ways. Because for some of you, when I talk about friendships, all of the very social people in the room are like, I love it. Let's go. I could use more friends. I could use more. You got like 150 friends, like, and you call them all your close friends. You know what I mean? You're like, I love it. Let's talk about it. And then we got some people in the room that are part of the antisocial social club. You don't like people. You'd be better off if people were just gone. And so you're just like, I don't even want to have this conversation right now, Pastor. I don't want any more friends. I've got two, and that's one too many. So it's like, I don't want to have this conversation. But we all have these sort of friendships. We all have these sort of situational relationships. And so what I love about this is I love how it's going to pull some of you in so many different directions, but there are some principles in the word of God that I think you're going to be able to apply wherever you're at, whether you're one of those antisocial people or you're one of those people that just loves friends. Like the more the merrier, come on, let's go. Raps, let's just, let me, let me do this real quick. Where are all of my extroverts at? Throw your hands up real big. Throw your hands up. I love how some of them put their hands up, but like they put it up with some passion. They're like, <laughs> it's funny because it's like, you're such an extrovert. You got to be the first to let us know you're an extrovert. You're like such an extrovert. You got to make sure everyone knows you're the most, the chiefest of all the extroverts. Now where, 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 are, where are my introverts at? Give me the little, some of y'all put your hands up. I, I thought some of y'all would be like, just like, don't pick on me, Pastor. Don't pick on me, Pastor Judge. I want to go here. I'm an, in, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert, and, and, and I've shared that with a lot of people. Some people think that, oh, because you stand in front of a crowd and, and you lead and you preach, you must be an extrovert. No, that's just God's calling on my life. If you remove God's calling on my life, I'd be at home alone or with my kids. Like, honestly, you can even tell my wife, I have just a lot of fun just me and my kids, and I'd not, probably not hang out. I, I just have a good time there because by nature, I am 
an introvert and God's working on me and I'm adjusting and I'm all figuring this whole thing out. But, but by nature, I am an introvert. And so uh, as we dive into this, and I know we got some stuff going on the screens behind me, but we're going to get that short up in just a minute. But as we dive into this, there are some, there is advice in the Bible. And what I want to do is kind of lay out that advice and then give you a Bible story that goes along with it. Cause I don't want to give you just a bunch of information where you walk away feeling like, okay, but I don't really understand how that really applies to situational friendships. And what do I do with that? So, so let me give you some handles that I think are really going to help you. So when you are placed in a situational relationship, whether you got a coworker, another mom, there's someone that's coming around. One of the first things that you have got to do when you've got a situational relationship going on is you have, number one, you need to assess the situation. If you're writing, downs, I'll, writing things down, I'll give that to you. Just assess the situation. You, you, you have got to assess the situation that you are stepping into. Look at your neighbor and tell them, assess the situation. Now, I don't mean for this to be like cold or callous because some of you might be like, dang, Pastor Josh, that's like really cold. Shouldn't I be more warm towards other people? You're telling me to assess the situation? Yes. And I think Jesus would tell you to assess the situation. Why do I say that? Because in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, it says this. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. And listen to what Jesus says. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes... And as innocent as doves. I want you to be as shrewd as snakes. Other versions say, I want you to be as wise as a serpent. And then it says, and I want you to be as innocent as a dove. Other translations will say, but I want you to be gentle like a dove. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, assess the situation. I'm going to put you in certain arenas where you've got to use wisdom, but you've also got to be gentle. And he says, I want you to use wisdom like a snake. You know, <laughs> that's a tough one for me because I hate snakes. We're all my snake people. Like, you got the phobias. Yeah, that right there. I, it could be like a little thing, and I will run out this stage, you know what I mean, and rebuke it and bind it. And, but I'll be doing that from the chapel, you know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> don't want anything. So the language here has kind of always been tough for me, but, it, but it, it, it really does speak to the craftiness and the cunningness of that animal. But then it also talks about, but you want to be as gentle as a dove. Now, again, this is Jesus' language. This, this is his words. It's in red letters in the Bible. And he's the one telling us this. He's the one that's telling us that you, when you assess the situation, you've got to make sure that you're using wisdom and you're also using gentleness. So, so, so it's okay to be wise. It's okay to have wisdom when you approach these relationships. But, but you should also be gentle. And, and, and you've got to be able to navigate both of these things. You've got to be able to navigate how can I be wisdom, but at the same time, be gentle. Now, when Jesus is saying this to his followers, he's actually getting ready to send out his followers as missionaries. He's sending them on their first missionary trip. And as he's getting ready to send them out on this first missionary trip, they're, they're going to go and do the things that he's taught them to do. He said, you're going to go preach the gospel. You're going to pray for the sick. I'm sending you out amongst the wolves is what he says. But when you get out there, I want you to use wisdom, but I also want you to be gentle. Now, now you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm not like a missionary like the disciples were. So does that apply to me? 100%. 100%. Because you are missionaries where you work. You are a missionary to your son's clubs, sports clubs. You, you, you are a missionary where you work. You are a missionary, if you're a student, where you go to school. 100%. You, you are his missionary into whatever situation he is sending you into. 
whatever situation he's sending you into, he's sending you into as a missionary. Now, our problem here with the church is we don't think about that language. We, we don't think that. We, well, this is just where I work. And we don't really look at it as a place that God has placed you to be light and salt. When he says you're light of the world and salt of the earth. And this is just my job, Pastor Josh. As if the people at your job aren't in need of the same Jesus that you found. As if the people that are on your son's sports team aren't in need of the same Jesus that you have found. God sends you out. And he says, now be gentle and be wise. And so in the same way he sent, out, he sent out his disciples, I mean, unless some of you are signing up to go to the Middle East or Africa or Europe or some other place with the gospel, he said, I'm going to use you as a missionary everywhere that I have placed you. And so when you look at it through that context, you realize I've got to use wisdom, but at the same time, I've got to be gentle. I've, I've got to start seeing all of these places, all of these spaces, all of these rooms that I am being sent to as my mission field. Uh, there's, there's, there's some churches that use this language. They, they say on Sundays we gather, and then when the service is over, we scatter. And they use that, but they use that in the sense of like we scatter, meaning now it's time for us to go and do everything. This, this, what we just experienced in the last one hour, now what are we going to do with it? That's what it means by we gather and we scatter. Because if, if Sundays aren't moving you to do something, we might be missing the point. If Sundays aren't compelling you to go and do something with it, with the people that are around you, with the people that you are influencing, you might be missing the point. Because Sundays are for you, but they're not just for you. There's a difference right there. Sundays are for you, but they're not just for you. Sometimes what you are going to hear is exactly what needs to be repeated to your coworker. Sometimes what you are hearing is exactly what needs to be repeated to your neighbor, to your sister, to your brother, to someone who just has not found the love of Christ, someone who may not be walking in it with him, someone who may not be experiencing what you are experiencing. And so Sundays are for you, but they're not just for you. They're not just for you. So you've got to make sure that when we come and when we gather, we're, we're getting everything we need. Because just like his word says, and now I'm sending you out. And now I'm sending you out. And you've got to use wisdom and you've got to be gentle, but you've got to navigate relationships through that lens. So that's why I said the first thing we've got to do is we've got to assess the situation. We've got to figure out, okay, what, this, this relationship with my coworker, what's the situation here? This, this relationship with my uncle, what's the situation here? This relationship with my boss, what's the situation here? So how do we do that? You got to do that first off through discernment. Somebody say discernment. Let me define discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge well. Discernment. And I love that word, discernment. It's the ability to judge well. There's nothing wrong with judging a person who is coming into your life. There's nothing wrong with judging that person. I'm not saying judge their salvation. That's not your job. Don't judge their salvation. Some of y'all like to do that. Some of you are like, let me judge this person. I've been in church for a long time. (laughs) Some of us are like great judges of other people's carriers and great lawyers of our own. So, So it's not our job to judge the salvation of the person, but you should judge the situation. Why did God bring this person to my life? What, what, why is this person here? Well, it's just another mom on my son's soccer team. Really? Or, or, or maybe God is bringing you to her. 
Maybe God is bringing you to them. And so you have to discern the situation. Discerning is just simply being able to judge well, because here's the the deal. The, The more that you are in relationship with that person, you need to discern the situation well, because that's gonna let you know how much are you gonna let that person take from you. Say that again. How much are you gonna let that person take from you? Because every relationship, there's give and take. In every single relationship, there, are, there, 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 there is a dynamic of give and take. And you've got to judge the situation so you can make a decision as to how much of myself I'm going to allow this person to take from me. This is something that as you get into my position where there's a whole lot more of you than there are of me, I have to make a decision just how much everyone gets to take from Pastor Josh. Because I can't let you take all of me and my sons get none of me. I can't let you take all of me and my wife gets none of me. But in every single relationship, there's this give and take involved. And you have to judge what's happening with that relationship. Now, now, this is not just to put up a wall. Sometimes you've got to judge how much God wants you to give to that other person. And some of you are happy to give them nothing. All my introverts in the room, they're like, ah, I ain't trying to start no friendship with them. God's like, no, I need you to. You've got something they need. (sighs) I don't want to be their friend. I love picking on introverts. I'm one of you, okay? Don't, don't. I'm one of you, okay? (laughs) Peace. But so, so we have to, we have to judge, okay, how much am I going to let this person take? And, 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 and that's, again, that's not always negative. Sometimes that's totally understanding the situation of the room. I remember when I had all these situational relationships last fall with my son's football team, with all the other dads, you know, they thought, they thought Josh was pretty cool. They were like, man, and you're a pastor. I want to come to your church. And I was like, <laughs> it's in Vista. I lived in Chula Vista at the time. They're like, what are you doing all the way up in Vista? I'm a long story. But anyway, we're here now. We're here now. So now I've got friendships and meeting other dads that are up here, but but I allowed myself to give more to those relationships because they needed more of me. And so I found myself talking to these other dads and sharing the gospel without preaching Jesus to them. How many of you guys know you can do that? I mean, Paul talks about that, right? Paul says, you are living living epistles read of all men. Sometimes the only Bible people are going to read is your life. And so your life has to model the scriptures because they're not going to pick up a Bible, but they are going to read you. And if you call yourself a Christian and your life is telling a different story, they're going to be like, "Ah, I don't like that version of Christianity. Or they might actually lean in and say, there's something different about you. What are you doing? Where are you going? And can I come? And, and, And my hope and desire is that as people are reading you, my hope and desire is that they would want to come and be around you. That's why I love in the scriptures. Remember, Jesus always had crowds following him. But the crowds that followed him weren't the crowds that you'd catch in the synagogue on Sundays. They weren't the religious type is what I'm saying. Some of you are like, what does that even mean, Pastor Josh? He was a friend of sinners. The people that really enjoyed being around Jesus weren't the people that necessarily enjoyed being around church. And it's not because of church. It's because of church people. Because sometimes, I've heard it said this way, the worst part of church is that there's people in it. (laughs) But listen, I, I, I just say that because we're broken. I, I say that because we're flawed. I say that because we make mistakes. Listen, there is no perfect church, but I promise you there's a perfect church for you. And I hope this is it. But if it's not, find the perfect church for you. 
But but so Jesus attracted people that wanted to be near him. And I, I really want that to be said of my life too. I, I really want that to be said where people would say of me, man, I want to go where you go. I want to do what you do. I was just talking to a friend of mine just the other day. And he was telling me about, you know, his situation going on with his kids. And he said, I really want to bring them to your church, Josh. I want them to get into your environment because there's something special about that place. There's something different about that place. It's not like whatever church. This has just become a perfect home for him. This has become a perfect place for him. But, but, but how awesome that people would want to come and be around you all. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's, that's saying more about you than it is about me. Said, I, I, I need to get my kids around what's going on there. And so let's get back to discernment. So you have to discern these people that are coming into your life well so you know how much you're going to give to them. You've got to be able to discern, okay, how much in myself am I going to do that? Now, some of you are thinking, but uh, discernment? I don't know what discernment is. If you don't know what discernment is or if you have that gift of discernment, because discernment's a gift. I don't know if you knew that. Discernment is a gift. So if you don't know if you have the gift of discernment, two things are going on. Number one, you haven't gone to growth track yet. <laughs> That's my shameless plug for growth track. Okay, next month, because here's the deal. I know it's kind of funny, but we actually help you test all your spiritual gifts, and you could have the spiritual gifting of discernment. I test very high in discernment. I test very high. My wife would say too high. She's like, she's like, you always try to cast judgment on everything. But like, I've got the gift of discernment. And so I can see a situation and make a decision quite fast because that's just one of the areas of gifting. So if you don't know if you are gifted in discernment, or let me take it a step further. And this is what I love about knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses. If you know you are bad at discerning, how many of you can just, is there anyone in the room that would just admit it? Like, I'm not good at discerning. Be honest. Is there anyone? It's okay. I'm not trying to shame you. It's just like, I just believe the best in people. <laughs> I always believe the best in people. Again, none of my introverts. It's all my extroverts. They also happen to be the people that are low in discernment. They're... I got an email from a prince in Africa. He's going to give me money. <laughs> low on the discernment. You know what I'm saying? It's like low. Low on the I'm just kidding. Um, low on the discernment. People actually do that stuff, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, they do. And you're like, really? You gave them What? <laughs> Anyway, low. so if you're low on discernment, here's what you got to do. You got to get around some people that are high on discernment. And that's why it's okay for you to know, like, hey, you know what? I just, it's, I'm just a lot more, I just believe the best in people. So get around some people that will help you to discern the room. Because you've got to be able, when people come into your life, you have to, as you're assessing the situation, discern that person. You've got to discern that person and make a decision. How much of myself am I going to give that person? The next thing you need to do is you need to figure out the hierarchy. Somebody say hierarchy. You've got to figure out the hierarchy because some of those hierarchies are going to be baked into your situation, right? Like you got a new job. Well, your boss, guess what? You don't get to choose your boss. That's the higher, typically. Hi, that's the, your brand new employee. Maybe you get some years later, you can float around and pick a boss. But initially, that relationship is set for you, right? And if you got employees, get what? Guess what? That situation is baked in for you. And so understanding the hierarchy is knowing that in these different situational relationships that I am in, what's the hierarchy? Because here's the deal. You're probably going to talk to your coworker a little different than you talk to your boss. Most people, at least initially. Unless, like, you just get in good with your boss and she's your homegirl and anything goes. But 
Chances are, you're not going to go and talk about how bad the leadership of the company is to your boss. <laughs> At least I hope not. You're probably going to have that conversation with your coworker. So, so there's sometimes where the hierarchy of the relationship is explicit. It's set for you. But sometimes, and then this goes back to discernment, you've got to figure out the hierarchy of that relationship through that discernment. Where you've got to start figuring out who is this person? What do they know? What do they bring to the table? And then who are they related to? <laughs> Be talking about someone don't even realize that's their cousin. Oops, my bad. I didn't figure out the hierarchy here. I did not. I, I totally misjudged room. So, so in, in a situational relationship, there's a hierarchy at play. And this is a great quote that I want to share with you by Dr. Darius Daniels. He said this, be authentic with everyone, but be transparent with people we trust. Be authentic with everyone. Be the real you at all times. Don't fake it. Be authentic with everyone, but only be transparent with people you trust. Some of you will say everything to someone you just met a minute ago. Low on discernment, right? It's like this blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, and it's just like, my Lord, you really don't hold anything back, do you? Like, you ever heard of a filter? No, can't, I, I could tell. So, but that, that's such a great quote. You want to be your authentic self to everyone, but you have to, have to, have to be careful and, and, and guard your transparency and only be transparent with people that you could really trust. And you can't just be blabbing to everyone you're talking to. Oh, but Pastor Josh, you don't understand. I don't do the blabbing. They come blab to me. You got that gift of a listening ear. I think it's also called gossip, but I, you might call it listening. <laughs> Can't help it, Pastor Josh. They just come talk to me. <laughs> Listen, man, if they're talking to you, they're also talking about you. <laughs> you can take that one home with you. So <laughs> That's not a good quality, you know what I mean? Like, oh, they can just tell me everything. Typically, I mean, unless that's really baked into a deep friendship, that's typically not a good quality. So, yeah, be your authentic self, but you got to be transparent with only people that you trust. And this is why it comes back to hierarchy in relationships, because there are hierarchies in relationships. And here's what I mean by that. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. It just means we bring different things to the table. And you've got to know what everyone is bringing to the table. I have the capacity to lead well, and I have the capacity to communicate well. I have the capacity to cast vision. And so some would say, ah, you're a leader. Okay, but put me in a biology lab. You don't want me leading anything. Put me in a building project. You don't want me leading anything. Blueprints upside down. It's like, yeah, the wall's over there. You know, I'm like, and there's the floor. There it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like, just, just, in the hierarchy of relationships, and, and, I, lear and I learned this in, in my graduate, in, in graduate school, we had this incredible teacher come talk to us about leadership, really talking about situational leadership and basically saying, just because you think you're a good leader doesn't mean you should be leading all the time. Sometimes you just got to let the person that's best fit to lead the situation lead the situation. So if, if it's a situation that is going to include, you know, building, development, so I'm probably not that guy. Probably not that guy. And so the same thing in a relationship. When you understand what you each bring to the table, you're un, you're, you're, you bring the right chemistry to that relationship. Because there's nothing worse. This is not in my notes. This one is, is worth kind of paraphrasing right down. There's nothing worse than bringing the wrong expectations to the right relationship. I'll say that again. There's nothing worse than bringing the wrong expectations to the right relationship. 
It might be the right relationship and the relationship you need to be having in your life, but if you bring the wrong expectations, you'll wreck a good thing. That's like wrecking a marriage. It's a good thing. You bring the wrong expectations, you wreck it. It's like a friendship. God brings a friend into your life, but if you bring the wrong expectations, you can wreck it. You can all expectations can can really change the dynamic of every relationship in your life. So you've got to have the right expectations. And oftentimes, me knowing what you bring to the table allows us to have great chemistry and move forward. How many of you love great chemistry? I mean, how many got those friends where you can like, you ain't seen them in five years, but you get around them and it's like you pick up right where you left off. You got those type of friends in your life? Yeah, it's great chemistry. How many of you guys have one of those friends who are like, man, it's been five years. I could have taken another five. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I did not need you coming back into my life that early. <laughs> it's like painful to even hear from them. Like, ah, this just don't work. This is the wrong room. So there's hierarchies in every relationship, and you've got to situationally know the room. Because here's, here's what will happen. Just as we talked about um, by discerning, you, you make a decision what you will allow people to take from you. Here's another thing you need to write down. You need to ask yourself, what will my investment be? What, what will my investment into this relationship be? Because sometimes, now, now this is what you're willing to give, not what someone is taking from you, but what are you willing to give to this relationship? Because again, sometimes you're not willing to give more and God wants you to give more. God has absolutely brought someone, put them into your life so that you can be used of God into their life, but you're not willing to make that investment. And God wants them. God wants for you to be that person for them, but I'm not willing to make that investment. So you have to ask yourself, what is going to be my investment? How, how mu- There are relationships in my life where I have made a decision. I'm just going to give more to this relationship. This relationship demands this of me. This relationship demands this of me. This relationship demands this of me. The other day, I got a text message. It's one of those text messages. I don't, I've got a few friends when they say, hey, I really need to talk. It's like, I can, I, I will just about drop near everything to pick up a phone and call that person. Because of that relationship, I know situationally what that text means. But then there's text messages like that. Pastor, I really need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, no, this can wait. I know this can wait. The last time you said it was urgent, you wanted to know what color the sky was. So this can wait. <laughs> Telling me everything's urgent and nothing seems to be. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but, but that's partly true. You, you, in the relationships and the different dynamics of relationships, you, you ask yourself, what is going to be my investment? What, what, what am I willing to, to give to this? Because God is going to put people in your life, and he's asking you. He is asking you to invest into that person. He is asking you to invest into that person. What he wants to know is, can I use you? Are you willing? Are you available? Will you say yes to me through that person? And sometimes we think, I said yes to you, God, not yes to them. (laughs) But God's like, how can you love me whom you can't see if you can't love them who you can see, right? I'm in my Bible, okay? So oftentimes he wants to know, will you say yes to me, but my yes looks like, your yes to me looks like a yes to them. And as you've said yes to them, you've actually said yes to me. It's, God is going to shape and forge you through relationships. 
I know we'd much rather come to the altar and cry and tarry and weep and speak in tongues and do all kinds of charismatic things at the altar and say, I'm good with God. But oftentimes, the depth of your relationship and the depth of him working in you is in how you treat other people. That, that's typically where we see your deepest spiritual formation. It's not in what you do here, but it's in what you do out there, scatter. It's real easy for you to love on Peter and Ruthie because they're loving on your kids. But, but how do you treat people out there? How, how do you love one another once we've scattered? God, that does the gather, scatter. I'm sending you out. You be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. So, so you have to understand that God is going to, the depth of my love for God is most evident in my relationships. We can't undervalue that. And I love this. This is one more quote from Dr. Darius Daniels. I'm going to drop it, then I'm going to be two for two for quotes with the day, and then I'm going to stop. Otherwise, <laughs> I should have just put on his sermon. But he said this. He wrote a great book called, and if you're wondering, this is his great book called Relational Intelligence. If you just want to get better at relationships, great book recommendation, Relational Intelligence. He says this, do for some what you wish you could do for all. Do for some what you wish you could do for all. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do more for other people but also knowing you have bandwidth and you have capacity and you can only do for some what you wish you could do for all. If I had an unlimited reservoir of time, I would do more for others. But because I don't have an an unlimited reservoir, I've got to make sure that I'm giving my wife and my children my best. Right? Amen? All right. I I need to make sure I'm giving them my best and then continue to steward all the rest of my energy to the church, to relationships, to people that aren't in this church, people that God has called me to do life together with. And so I have to steward all those resources, but they're finite. They are absolutely finite. And so you have to ask us, okay, what is going to be my investment? And just because I wish I could do some for all, I've got to bring it back. And I think my wife has seen me uh, develop in this area because I think early on in my marriage, I was doing it for like everybody. I was like, well, this is what a pastor does. We're, I'm 24-7. Nobody should be 24-7. Like really, no one should be 24-7. And don't say that like it's a point of pride. This is a, a 24-7 type of job, Pastor Josh. It's like, uh, be careful with that. There are some people that do have 24-7 access to me. Yes, absolutely. There, there's a great little, there, I'm going to just give you a little tech. I'm a little bit of a tech nerd too. So, you know, like you can set your phone to sleep mode and it'll still only allow a couple of people to punch through. I love that. I absolutely love that. Because it's like the only people that are punching through is like Joanna, Jaden, and like my parents and her parents. That's it. Like you calling me at 2 a.m., I'm not getting it. <laughs> I'm not. I love you. I'm asleep, <laughs> you know, and, and I love it. And, and it's funny, that just seems very practical, but it's also saying something significant about the amount of access I give to people and when people have that access. And then not just access, but what's my investment into people? How much of myself am I going to invest into that person? And again, this isn't, I don't want you Lighthouse Church to, to walk away thinking this is all about scaling everything back. For some of you, you got to go scale up some of your relationships because God's been trying to get you to get to them, but you've been unwilling to do that. And he needs you in that space. He needs you in that relationship, but you've been unwilling. So we're using discernment. We're assessing the situation. Now, let me, let me transition because I want to get you out of here seeing some of this in action. And uh, Sam, come up to the piano because I'm going to wind it down. 
but this sounds better with music behind it. <laughs> so let me give you some scriptures in this. So, so I'm going to speak from the life of, the life of Joseph. Um, for those of you who don't know, don't know who Joseph is in the Bible, let me give you the highlight because I want to make sure everyone gets his story, okay? Joseph is one of 12 brothers, okay? Somebody say 12 boys. I got three boys. I could not imagine a house with 12 boys. Are there any other, any parents in the room that just have like boys only? No girls. Where's where's that? Yeah. So you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 12, 12 boys. All right. Just want to put that out there. Okay. But he was despised by his brothers. So his brothers did something mean to him. If you think your kids are mean to each other, they sold them into slavery. Okay, I don't care how bad it is at home. <laughs> Probably ain't that bad. But, but Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. When he was in slavery, uh, Joseph is falsely accused. Watch this. Listen to this craziness. Joseph was falsely accused of attempting to rape his boss's wife. She lied. But that's what happened. She, she falsely accused. So he's in prison. So while he's in prison... He begins to interpret dreams supernaturally by the gift of God. And, 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 and while he's, while he's inter- supernaturally interpreting these dreams, um, the Pharaoh in Egypt, because that's where he was in jail at the time, was a jail in Egypt. The Pharaoh at that time has a dream that nobody could interpret. But they're like, you know, there's this guy in prison. He's pretty good at interpreting dreams. You should have him come and interpret your dreams. So he comes and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And because he correctly interpreted Pharaoh's dream, he's promoted to the right hand of Pharaoh. What a life. Sold into slavery, thrown in jail, exalted second only to Pharaoh. But, but, but let, let's look at some of these relationships here. Let's look at some of these situational relationships. Joseph is sold by his brothers into slavery, and he is then sold into Potiphar's house. Potiphar is his boss. That's one situational relationship, right? Now, now, Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, apparently wasn't very fulfilled in her marriage because the Bible says Mrs. Potiphar had eyes for Joseph. Another situational relationship. He's like, I've got my boss and then I've got my boss's crazy wife that I've got to deal with. Imagine having to navigate that. Imagine having to navigate that craziness. So he's like, I've got these situational relationships. The Bible says that Mrs. Potiphar made repeated advancements on Joseph, and he told her, I ain't going to do this. He was very clear. The Bible says, listen, I cannot be unfaithful first and foremost to my God, and there's no way that I'm going to be unfaithful to my boss. This ain't going to happen. So he, he quickly determined what his investment into that relationship was not going to be, right? What is he doing? Assessing the situation. What's he doing? Discerning the relationship. One day, she just about had it because she's used to getting her way. She's not used to being told no. And so she grabs him by the coat. The Bible says he had to make a quick decision in that moment. And he thought, it's better for me to run out of this house without my coat on than to be caught in this mess. So that's exactly what he did. He takes off. So now he's running around without his shirt on because she ripped it off of him. I mean, talk about it tigress you know what I mean it's like goodness I've always like been like man she either had a grip on her or I don't know but uh so he's running around the house now and so she made up a lie because she obviously is just so upset that she <laughs> she got the Heisman you know what I mean she got the block and she's like no way so so now because of how he navigated this situational relationship he's in prison and while he's in prison two guys join him in prison it's the baker for Pharaoh 
and the cup bearer for the Pharaoh. These two people, I don't know what the baker and the cup bearer were doing, but they were messing around and they got into some mess. Can I call the cup bearer the butler? Because it sounds better to say the baker and the butler. When I think of butler, I think of Jeffrey from the Fresh Prince. So <laughs> all the 90s kids, come on, somebody. So the baker and the butler, now Joseph has what? Two more situational relationships. And he has to ask himself, how much of myself am I going to invest in these guys? So they go to him and they're like, Joseph, we've been having these wild dreams, Joseph. And in that moment, Joseph could have been, cool story, bro. That's a cool story. But instead, he decides, maybe I'm here because God needs me here. And I need to interpret these dreams. So I'm going to allow these relationships to be brought in just a little bit closer than I let crazy and crazy's wife get brought in. So he lets them in and he begins to interpret their dreams. Why? Because he discerned and made a decision that he was going to invest into this relationship. So he interprets the dream of the butler and the baker. And he, he's like, man, I, I got good news and I got bad news. Which one you want first? I'm paraphrasing, but this is kind of the way it went down. And the baker's like, give me the bad news. Give me the bad news. Okay, you're going to die. Okay, what's the good news? Jeffrey, you're going to live. <laughs> it was like, that was it. End of interpretation. He's like, you're going to die and you're going to live. And so when Jeffrey comes out of prison and now he's back in Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh's having all of these dreams. Think about that. The investment that Joseph made to him in that season was preparing the way for Joseph's advancement in his next season. Sometimes you look at the prison and think about this for a second. There's no Pharaoh if there is no prison. So, so how he handled that one relationship, may, maybe if he gives in to crazy's wife, there's no prison. If there's no prison, there's no elevation. So he has to use the right discernment with crazy's wife over here so that in this season, although it looked like punishment, and it was punishment, it still is prison at the end of the day, but God was getting ready to use that, the relationship in that situation to prepare him for his advancement. And so he correctly interprets the dream. Jeffrey, you're going to get back. You're going back to the palace. So when Jeffrey's back in the palace and Pharaoh's having these dreams that nobody can interpret, now he remembers. What's crazy is Joseph actually told Jeffrey, he's like, hey, Jeffrey, don't forget about your boy down here when you get to the palace, okay? Put in a good word with the Pharaoh. What did he do? Nothing. <laughs> he was, apparently wasn't as invested into the relationship. But the moment came when Pharaoh needed his dreams interpreted. And when Pharaoh needed his dreams interpreted, finally Jeffrey remembers. He's like, oh, I met a guy in prison. Every good story starts with that introduction, huh? <laughs> so Jeffrey's like, man, I met a guy in prison. He's good at interpreting dreams. Think about that for a second. If Joseph doesn't open himself up in that moment. This is why you have to use the sermon Lighthouse Church. Sometimes people are going to be brought into your life and you need to open up to them. You need to allow the gift of God to work through you. Tell your neighbor, you've got a gift. Come on, tell them that. Look them in the eye and tell them that. You've got a gift. And, and, and you've got to use that gift when God needs you to use that gift. There's so many times, I got like five stories running through my head right now where, where I, I walked into a situation, I heard Holy Spirit tell me to do something, and in my flesh, I'm like, no, 
No, not right now, not this person. But I'm telling you, every time that I said yes to what God wanted me to do in that room, in that environment, with that person, in that situational relationship, man, God always redeemed it. God God always showed himself through it. So Joseph comes out of prison. Pharaoh tells him his dream. And one more time, Joseph has to make a decision. Am I going to serve this person? Because this is like his boss's 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 boss. You know what I'm saying? He's probably like, man, the last time I dealt with my boss, it didn't end well for me. And he decides, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and serve this man. And he goes ahead and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And because he correctly interpreted Pharaoh's dream, it elevated him in the next season when he became the right hand of Pharaoh, second in all the land of Egypt when Egypt was a world power. Big position, lots of authority, big responsibility. None of that happens if while in jail, he doesn't discern the situation, assess the situation, figured out who was in the room and allowed God to use him in that relationship. And because he did that, he was able to walk into that next season. God had already told Joseph when Joseph was probably 17 years old. It's probably when he had his dream and God said, I'm going to make you someone important. He didn't know how that was going to happen. He probably didn't think it was going to be through this crazy experience, but he gets there because he said yes to all the right people. And listen now, he also said no to all of the right people as well. God can use your no just as much as he can use your yes when it's in the right place and time. So I don't want you thinking, Pastor Josh, I'm good at saying no. Go on and just keep saying no. Just make sure you do it at the right time. And don't say no to the people that God needs you to be saying yes to. And hear me, Lighthouse, as I wrap this up now, um, I, 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 want you to, I want you to see how Joseph handled each of these relationships. And I want you to see how Joseph navigated these different places in life. Listen, at every turn, it was because of a relationship. I know this is the way life works too. I can, I can say this with some degree of experience because I'm 41 years old now, okay? But, but at most turns in your life, there's going to be a relationship that's right at the turn. Most of it, there's a relationship tied to it. There might be some where there's not a relationship, but most of the time, when there's a new opportunity, when your life pivots, when there's a turn, step into a new season, there's almost always a person in the room. Almost always a person in your room. So treat people well. Treat people really, really well. Do for some what you wish you could do for all, meaning you're going to love on people and you are going to care for people. And and you're going to be God's vessel everywhere he puts you. But at every turn, at the most important moments of your life, just know that there's almost always going to be a person there. Because God manifests his plan here on earth through people. He always has and he always will. Come on, let's stand up on our feet right now as we get ready to pray. Come on, let's let's clap our hands and give God some praise right now. I want to lead you in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, right where everyone is, right where they're at, God. I thank you for this moment that we've had. I thank you, God, for these moments that we've opened your word and we've heard from your word and we've gleaned from the life of Joseph and also from just the truths of your word. God, I pray for every person in this room, Father, that we would be wise and gentle. You've 
You've called us to live in this tension where we navigate wisdom but also gentleness. There's some situations where we mirror, we, we might appear to be shrewd and there's other situations where we are going to give much more of ourselves than we anticipated giving. But God, you're in that. You, you bring us from place to place. You move us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And oftentimes that's done in the context of a relationship. There's a relationship that you bring into our life. There's a relationship that's brought into our life, Father. And we've got to figure out how we are going to navigate that. So I just pray now in the name of Jesus that you would give us that wisdom, Father. That you would give us that discernment, Lord. That you would allow us, Lord God, to hear you, to see you, to know you at every turn, Father and to do everything that you are asking us to do here on this earth. I believe, God, that there are so many people that are waiting for us to just simply open up our mouths. There are so many people that are waiting for us to simply tell them the gospel, tell them about you, tell them about your love, tell them about the hope that we have in you, to tell them about the promise that we have in you. God, would you use us? God, when we leave this place, would we see it now as our opportunity of stepping into our mission fields? Where we work, that's our mission field. Where we go to school, that's our mission field. Our friendships, that's our mission field. Our network, that's our mission field. Will we have the eyes to see God, that that's the, that, that, that is the place that you've called us into, to bring your love, to bring your hope, to bring your joy, and to bring your peace into those places. God, may we never stop being salt of the earth. May we never stop being the light of the world. May we always fulfill your will here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.